Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. Everybody good? All right. Well, Jesus, we just, let's all just turn our heart toward him. Like, we know how to do that. Like, just pause. There's a word in the, in the Psalms that says selah. It means to pause, to pause in his presence. Let's just do that. So we just pause in your presence. We turn our attention to you, God. Hmm. Jesus, we give you the rest of this time. We ask that your presence would come. Yep. How many need something from the Lord today? If, if man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth, then I need a word from you, Lord. So send your word. You said you'd send your word and healed us. Send your word today. You said you would confirm your word with signs and with wonders, God. Let people be healed, delivered, and set free today. Let marriages be restored. Come on. Let lost things be found. Let injustice be resolved. Come on. May wrongs be undone in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to open your Bible, these are the three places that we'll potentially get to. We're going to get to at least the first two um, today. But I kind of wanted to pick up a couple weeks ago. I talked about the sons of Korah. And then last week, Rodney gave us a great uh, uh, encouraging word on who, who are we? Who do we belong to? Whose are we? Who do we belong to? And just making God our father and, and him providing everything we need. Um, it's really important that you know that today, that you have a father that you can go to has everything that you need. Amen. How many believe that? How many think of God like that? He's your father. He's, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come live inside of us and he would cause us to cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. It's a term of endearment toward a father. Like Papa, you know, <laughs> you got the Italians, Papa. That's what he's saying there. Daddy, Abba, Father. Abba, wouldn't you say that? Abba, Father. And so I, I, I talked about the sons of Korah, and if you don't know that story, that's two Sundays ago. You can go listen to the podcast or, or watch uh, on, on Facebook or which, wherever you find that. Um, but there were these guys that, that had a rebellion against Moses, and they were, they were basically coming against the priesthood, and they, they were not happy with the portion the Lord gave them. So the Lord laid out for the Levites, the tribe, who was responsible for what part of worship when it came to the house of God. And the sons of Korah, Korah and, and his relatives became frustrated and they were mad with the portion that they got. They felt they got the worst job and they were complaining about it. And they came to Moses with their complaint. And y'all remember if you were here and if you've heard the story, the story didn't end too well for Korah um, and the people in the, the 250 that signed on to the rebellion. Basically, this is what happened. God opened up the earth and swallowed them up and killed them all. Great story. You should tell your kids at bedtime. Like, this is why, like, so I, I put Levi to bed most, most every night, and he always wants me to tell him stories, and so I tell him these crazy stories, like, stuff like this, and, like, the axe head floating, and the donkey talking, right? There's crazy, cool stories in the Bible, right? So this is one of those stories, like, God was so angry with the rebellion of this group of people that got to minister before God, they had a privilege that other people didn't have and they weren't happy with it and they wanted someone else's privilege. They were jealous. And so God opens the earth and, and swallows them up. 
But the Bible goes on in seven generations. The prophet Samuel comes from the line of Korah. And then it goes on further in Obed-Edom, the story when David goes and gets the ark and the house that he housed it in after Uzzah reached out and touched it and he died. Uzzah died because he was from this line that knew not to touch the ark. And so anyway, I'm giving a quick summary just to catch us up. And Obed-Edom was one of the sons of Korah. And then once they brought the ark back to the city of Jerusalem and they, they brought it to the place where it was supposed to be and they danced and David danced all of his clothes off, right? His wife got got angry with him, right? She's like, oh, how the king has esteemed himself today in front of the servants. And he's like, I'll be more undignified next time. You think this was crazy? Wait till next time. And uh, so the ark comes back, the presence of the Lord comes back. And now David wants to reinstitute the proper way to worship God and come before God. And so he sets singers and psalmists. This is why we sing in church. We don't do it just for fun. We don't do it just to give people with, with abilities or talents or something to do at church. We do it because this was the form of worship that came from the Old Testament. We are coming before God as priests. You are singing unto the Lord as a priest. Come on. See, in the new covenant, he made us a kingdom of kings and priests. You know that. You're a king and a priest. And we get to come together and bring songs and hymns and worship unto the Lord. And so David institutes this type of worship and they're singing and worshiping before the Lord and writing these songs. And so Korah's family line had a history of rebellion in it and people remembered this rebellion. But if you read uh, through the Psalms, you've probably seen David didn't write all the Psalms. Other people wrote many of them. And some of those were written by the sons of Korah. And it says it right at the top of your, your Psalms as you're reading through. There's about 11 different ones that the sons of Korah, the people who were the offspring of the rebellion, wrote worship unto God in the temple. And Psalm 84 is one of them. And I just, this one gets me. This is what they sang. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Come on. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. They discovered their portion. What their forefathers, generations before them, rebelled over because they weren't happy with their portion. They weren't happy with their inheritance. This generations later figured out, oh God, you gave me a great portion. You gave me a wonderful inheritance. I would rather care for the gates of your house than be anywhere else. You see, there's this restlessness that comes inside of a lot of us. We go through seasons of restlessness. How many have ever been restless? You know, Philippians 4 there, let's just read that. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, be anxious for nothing. I want to say be anxious for nothing. That word can also be restless for nothing. Be worried for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplications and with thanksgiving, come on, a key is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a key God's given us. It's a weapon. It takes things that are not good and it converts them into good. It's thanksgiving. And then it says, let your requests be known before the Lord and the peace of God. Come on, how many need the peace of God that passes all of our understanding, passes all of our wisdom and all of our answers that will come. The peace of God will come and guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And everyone say amen to that. 
So this restless thing, there was a great saint named St. Augustine. If you've heard of him before, you've probably seen his, his statues and you've probably heard of him or, or, or there's like, he's one of the famous saints, like from the early, like 354 AD, right? And uh, he's, he has this one prayer and in it, he says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Would you say that with me? You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Today, I want to talk to you about being unrestless, about being settled with our portion. When, when, I, when I had the word a couple of weeks ago, I really felt like God was going to begin to unlock destiny in people. He was going to unlock purpose. And so restlessness and this anxiety that comes in life, it comes from an orphan heart. It, come from, it comes from a heart that doesn't really, really understand that God's my father and he knows what's best for me and he's looking out for me. And he's my, he, he knows what I need before I even know what I need. He, he senses a longing in my heart and he's the answer to the longing. Actually, he's the one that causes our heart to long. Did you know that? I wanna, I wanna stop there. So if you're restless, it's not because you're in a place of lack or a place of need or because you're in a place of warfare or you're in place or you're in a desert. You are feeling restless and longing because the Lord has stirred it up inside of you. Think about that for a second. It's really important we understand where the source of our longing comes from. The Bible says that he gives us the desires of our heart. It doesn't just mean he gives us what we want. He puts the desire in our heart so that we want the things we should want. So if you're restless right now, you're on a good path. You're sensing a longing inside of you for something else. The problem is what we do with that restlessness. The Lord knows your inheritance. Do you know that? Like he has written your portion already. He's decided what, you, what is yours. It's such a beautiful Old Testament custom that when, when fathers were about to pass away, they would call their sons in and they would lay hands on their sons and they would give them their portion. They would tell them. I mean, it was detailed stuff. They would say things like, you're going to live in this very specific place. You're going to work like this. You're going to have these skills. You're going to have children that are like this. All the days that you're on the earth are going to be like this. And they would prophesy their inheritance over them before they passed on. The Lord does that for us. He has laid a portion for us. Did you know right now, the Lord already knows what your inheritance is and you're walking toward it right now. You're stepping into it. So being restless, the, the key is when I feel restless is knowing that if there's a longing God has put in my heart that only he can fulfill. And I have to pause. I have to stop and not allow anything else to, to, um, to assuage, to take away that restlessness. Because what we do is we, we medicate because we're restless. We're not happy. We're unsatisfied. And so we feel that with something we think that's going to satisfy us. But what's the, the old song? Who can satisfy my soul like you? No one, no one else can. Only the Lord can. 
And so this, this restlessness comes when we have this orphaned heart. And instead of coming to the Father, who knows what's best for us and who has already established the boundary lines of our portion, instead of going to him, we find ways to try to take away that restless feeling that we have. Restlessness looks like this. It's an inability to rest or relax. Anyone else go through that? It's like your, your mind just can't stop. And sometimes you, you can't stop. You got to be doing something. You got to be going. You got to be active. You got to be, I, I, gotta, I can't sit still. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes that's because we're restless and we're, we're medicating with doing and performing. And we think that we'll get the inheritance through the performance. And it's a trap. Come on. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. That's what the Lord's invitation is to us. Like, if you're feeling restless, okay, great. The Lord has stirred that restlessness up. What is it toward? What is it unto? Restlessness looks like this. Anxiety. Stress. Oh, I'm stressed. Seinfeld. I just see Kramer from Seinfeld. I'm older. I know it's an old, car, old com- comedy, old TV show. But Kramer, when he would do his, oh, I'm stressed. That, yeah, you've felt that before. Like you're stressed out. It looks like, listen to this one. It looks like a need for drama. I need drama in my life. I need crisis. Because crisis will fuel me towards action. See, I will know that I'm, I'm getting my restless needs met from the wrong source when I need drama in my life to move me into activity. When I need a crisis to cause me to do something I should do. I'm being motivated by the wrong thing. Any, anyone okay? <laughs> it looks like an inability to be settled. Always waiting for bad news to come. Oh man, too many good things have happened. It's got to be, I'm even Stevens. Something's got to balance it out at some point. It looks like I have a desire to be filled and fulfilled, but I'm looking for it in in things that can't actually fulfill me. The Lord wants us to be at rest. Did you know that rest is a gift from the Lord? And it's not even a temporary thing. Like, like we think of rest like, oh, I worked really hard today. I need to go home and have a moment of rest. The Lord says rest is a state of being. Hello? Y'all are quiet. Rest is a, a way of living. The Bible tells us that there was a place of rest, a portion of rest, an inheritance of rest that the Lord laid out for us. And it goes in Hebrews and it says that this promise of rest still remains for those that obey. So there's a place of rest for us. Rest doesn't mean that I'm not doing anything. It just means that everything I do is prospering. It means that I don't have to work as hard to get the good results because I'm doing the thing I was called to do. Because I'm being obedient. It's not my effort that causes fruitfulness. It's my obedience. It's actually surrender that causes rest. Not toil. 
Did you know the Bible says that striving cannot produce righteousness? Hello? Striving, working, doing cannot produce the fruit of righteousness in us. It only comes through surrender. And through surrender, we obey. And then now we look better than we really are. Rest looks like something. It's not, it's not a reprieve from the storms that we live in. It's the ability to either wait the storm out or to sleep in the storm or to stop the storm. And this is your portion. This is my portion. The Lord has set a portion of rest for us where our minds can be turned off and we can rest. That we have the mind of Christ. Come on. Listen to what it says in Psalm 16, verses one through six. Oh, this is a good one. He says, preserve me, O God. Oh, come on. Preserve me. For I put, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. This is, this is the, the psalmist crying out to God saying this. My goodness is nothing apart from you. In modern day English, there's nothing good in me that didn't originate from you. Any good that happens in my life literally comes from you. You are the source. What's the Bible say? Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. Come on. Any goodness that happens in our life comes from the source of God. And the psalmist here is saying, I recognize this. You are the source of all my goodness. As for the saints who are here on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom uh, is all my delight. Their sorrows, shall be mul- uh, their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten another God. In other words, I don't know why I picked this translation, but I'm gonna, <laughs> looking back now, I could have found a better one. It says what it says, but it, it, we just don't talk like this, right? What he's saying is the ones that pursue you are excellent and your delight is in them. But the ones that search after other things multiplies sorrow to them. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes us rich. Everyone say the blessing of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow. Say that last part loud and adds no sorrow. That's the blessing of the Lord. That is the rest of the Lord. That's for us. For those that find contentment in the Lord, this is our inheritance. Those that pursue other things will only find torment. Come on, sorrow, pain, suffering. Then it goes on, it says, their drink offerings of blood, I will not offer, nor I I will not take up their names. He's saying, I will not worship gods the way that other people worship gods. I will worship you in spirit and in truth is what he's saying. And then he says this, I love this. I think it's verse five and six here. Oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Everyone say my cup. I've been doing a, I'm working on some research here about inheritance portion. And that term, my cup, is so interwoven through the Bible on receiving your portion from the Lord. What does Psalm 23 says? You know, my cup runneth over. Like there's just this thing. Jesus says, um, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Let this inheritance, let this purpose pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. 
The disciples came and said, Jesus, we want to sit one on your right hand and one on your left hand. We want to be the biggest, baddest people on the planet with you. And Jesus goes, can you drink from the cup I'm drinking from? Like there's this thing and David's saying, you are my cup. You are my portion. You are the, you are the well that I drink from. <sighs> you maintain my lot. What is he saying? You protect what you gave to me. You are my portion. Come on. The boundary lines, what a beautiful way to say this. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. In other words, Lord, when you decided what belonged to me, when you decided what my inheritance was, what my portion was, you found the most beautiful place and said it was for me. Woo. And I'd rather be a doorkeeper in this house than be anywhere else. And then he says, yes, I have a good inheritance. Someone here, you need to say that. Yes, I have a good inheritance. We don't understand this stuff anymore because this is not the world we live in. The inheritance we typically get from the previous generation is debt. I mean, come on, we got like 30 something trillion dollar debt in our country. We have no clue how to live biblically and spend money biblically. And so when we hear things like the Lord has got an inheritance for us, the Lord has a portion for us, we don't understand it the way all of history up until the last few hundred years have understood it. Families passed land to each other, all, every continent. It didn't matter. It wasn't just the wealthy people you think of, like, you know, the kings and stuff. I mean, everywhere, the farmers would pass their lands to their children. If they, if they had herds of animals, they, 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 would, they would roam around and live in different places. They passed those routes down to their children. It was their inheritance. They knew where the wells were in the desert because their forefathers told them they were there. There was an inheritance of wisdom passed from generation to generation. Yet, for many of us, we step into this relationship with the Lord and it feels like we're starting at zero. I'm just going to ask, how many of you are first generation believers? Come on. Woo, well done. Look at that. You're not starting at zero though. You have a beautiful boundary line the Lord has already established for you. The boundary lines for you have fallen in pleasant places. You have a good inheritance. There's something awaiting you right now. It's there. It's yours. It's in his hand. And it's not something he withholds. It's something he's giving to us. He releases it to us. If we then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more will our heavenly father give good things to them that ask him? If your son asks for a fish, Will you give him a scorpion? Or I think it's an egg and a scorpion. I get all the, the gospels. If they ask for fish, will you give them like a serpent? If they ask for bread, will they give you a stone? That's what he's saying. I want you to understand that the Lord has an inheritance for us. How many have ever received an inheritance? Anyone? Like you sat in a room and the attorney, raise your hand. I just want to see. It's interesting. Did you go through that process? They like, they're like, hey, this is yours. This is... See, your, your grandparents are wise. They left an inheritance for their children's children. Come on. It's beautiful. But it, you've seen this on TV shows. They sit in the room and the, all the kids are kind of fighting over, okay, which, who's getting dad's watch and who's getting, you know, all that stuff. And the, and the attorney is reading out what their portion is. You have a portion right now waiting for you. Do you have possession of it? 
because I would say you're probably restless if you haven't found it. But once you find it, you'll never be restless again. Once you drink from this well of salvation, you'll never be thirsty again. So Jesus told this woman at the well who probably didn't think inheritance-minded. And Jesus says, if you take a drink from me, you'll never thirst again. She says, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. There's, there's something going to happen to you today. I feel that there is something hidden for you right now that you are to discover soon. I really feel that. It's an inheritance. There have been things set aside for you for the right time. The steps of a righteous man or a righteous woman are ordered by the Lord. He has been leading you to this place right now. And he's longing for you to come sit in the room and for him to sit down and the Holy Spirit as your advocate, your attorney, and begin to read to you what your inheritance is. See, here's the problem. Most of us, oh, I inherited diabetes. I inherited poverty. I inherited anger. Anyone ever talk about those inheritances? Oh, I got that from my dad. Got that from my mom. My, my grandpa had this. My grandma had that. We understand inheritance through the sin nature and the wages of sin. But how much more of an inheritance comes through the blood of Jesus, through the atonement of Jesus? What inheritance are you claiming right now that's somewhere in your family line that Jesus paid for? The blood covers you from all that other stuff. Don't accept the inheritance of pain and suffering. Don't accept the inheritance of generational curses. You have a generational inheritance and blessing that's laid, a, laid aside for you right now. And you're like, well, no one in my family served the Lord. You're not getting their inheritance. You're getting your inheritance. That's the Lord's inheritance for you. Do you understand that? You're not taking from their life. You're taking from the supply of Jesus. Are you getting this? You are my portion, my inheritance, my cup. You maintain my law. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. Well, what is that? What did Jesus say was ours? What did he say we couldn't have access to? Let's ask it like that. What did Jesus say you can't have? You find, I, I'm way, like, let's, let's look. I, I, I may miss this. I don't think there's a scripture where he's like, yeah, that one wasn't covered. Yeah. We didn't know that technology was going to be so crazy and invent these crazy things. We weren't prepared for that. Yeah. He didn't. It's on, it's on one of the posters when you come in. The blood of Jesus paid for everything. What does that mean? It's not just eternal life. Like if we're living just thinking our inheritance is only after we die, we're missing half the whole plot. Jesus said, I came to give you life abundantly right now. Well, we've accepted the thief. We've let him have his role where he steals, kills, destroys, and we call that generational curses or inheritances. But the Lord's like, I came to give you abundance. Abundance looks differently for everyone. This is not about money 
at all. It's not about money. And it's not saying if you're sick, then you don't have your inheritance. That's not what this is. The deal is, whatever I find myself in, I can do all things through Christ. That's what Paul figured out. Hey, I've been rich, I've been poor. I've been favored and I've been beaten. He didn't say you can make three pointers because I can do all things through Christ. You know, that's where we, that's where that verse gets relegated, the sports world. Well, I can do all things on our, it's, I, look, good for Steph, good for people putting it on their stuff, great. But that's not what that verse is for. That verse says that if I am in a place of rest, and obedience, I can endure anything with him. Yeah. And I trust him with it. There's this really, I can't think of exactly where it is right now. Maybe someone can look it up and holler it out. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And when I was younger, I would hear that. And people would talk about that in the terms of the Lord. And I'd be like, why would the Lord wound me or let me be wounded? And now I, I understand it. Proverbs 27. What's the verse? Thank you. Proverbs 27, verse six. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Here's the deal. If I'm in the Lord's will, I will walk through any valley he wants me to walk through. If I'm in the Lord's will, I'll walk through any valley. And I will not think I'm too good to walk through the valley. But I will walk through the valley with Psalm 84 in my mind. Even though we walk through the valley of tears, we will make it an oasis. That's what Psalm 84 says. I don't have time to really get fully into this part of it today. But some of us, we, we, we think that favor and blessing and rest in the Lord only means like, the prosperity gospel side of things. And we don't understand that Job figured out rest through suffering. Jesus figured out rest through the things he suffered. The deal is, am I allowing the thief to cause the suffering? Or, I'm a, or I, am I responding to the Lord's voice through the suffering. Because we will go through hard times. That's the truth, right? But the point is, see, here's my attitude a lot. Lord, I don't deserve this. Pfft. Lord, I've been good, man. Why are you letting this happen to me? Come on. What an arrogant thing to say. That's me being like Cora. I want a different portion, Lord. I didn't order this. If it's cold, I send it back. <laughs> I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. And I stand before God in that arrogance and tell him, God, this isn't what I ordered. Who's the chef? Maybe I need to ask him, Lord, did you order this for me? So if you ordered it for me, I will eat from this cup or drink from this cup and eat from this plate. Let's make it right. If you ordered this for me, I will drink from this cup. But if it's not from you, what do I do? Yeah. 
I'm going to close it out. What if everything that we really want, like the deepest part of us that knows, the spirit man, what if everything that is, would fulfill us according to God's will, what if all of it has already been written? What if it's already been settled? What if Psalm 39 is real? And it says, all the days of my life were written before even one of them came into being. What if that's true? What if we actually believe the word? What if the key to fulfillment is being a better seeker and a finder? And I'm gonna knock and keep knocking and ask and keep asking. What if that's the key? What if the key is to being a king who searches things out instead of complains? God doesn't hate honest questions. But man, I don't think he likes it when we complain or when we form our complaints in a question. What if he really is our good shepherd? What if we were meant to discover fulfillment by just going on a walk with him, like in the garden? What if he's just waiting for you to go where peace is? Or to follow your favor? Or to step on a path that was already there? That's what faith does. Faith causes me to step on a path I couldn't see, but it was already there. You understand that? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. In other words, when I access faith and I step toward him, I'm stepping on an ancient path. It was already there, but it took this faith to cause me to access it. All right, you good? Let's stand. We are in a restless world, man. It's the spirit of the age. Yeah? I want you to engage your heart right now. Turn it toward the Lord. Say, Lord... What's my portion? What's waiting for? What's on the other side of obedience waiting for me? It's about to be Christmas. You're about to open up some gifts, right? For real. You're about to open some gifts.
It's his good pleasure to give you his kingdom, little children. Father, we ask right now you would unlock our hearts. If you're here and you're like, man, I, I believed a lie that I don't have a portion, I don't have an inheritance, that I'm supposed to struggle, that I'm all alone, I'm an orphan. Break agreement with that lie right now. Come on. If that's you, just say it. I break agreement with a lie. I am not an orphan. I am a beloved son or daughter. And my father has an inheritance for me. He has a portion for me. When it really gets down to it, what we really desire is just him. He's the desire of the nations, which means we were created to desire and long for him. We just have to tend to that fire. Why don't you pray this with me? Father God, I ask for you to fan the flames of my desire. Stir up my passion for you. I have no other gods before you. We're going to say that one again. I have no other gods before you. The psalmist said, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none my heart desires beside you. Lord, that's how we feel now. I, I, I can't express what I feel. I just, I don't have the words for it right now. But it's something like the hungry are about to discover things and taste of bread that we never knew was there. I don't know how to explain it. So, Father, we ask you to lead us. We exercise our faith. We practice obedience. We tune our ear to you.
Come on, he's got an inheritance for you. In a moment, we'll have some altar workers come up here to the front, but I, wanna, I just want to make two, two altar calls. So if you'll bow your heads, two things that we're going to ask. The first one is if, if you're here and you're like, I'm not even connected to the Father. Like, I need Jesus to be my Lord. I know that's the start. That's my first step of obedience is that, making sure Jesus is Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand and you can put it right back down. Anyone at all? If you're at home and you're watching, if you're listening to this just right now, just ask Jesus to be your Lord. I think we all, we're just going to pray this all together. Jesus, you are worthy. (laughs) You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You were the perfect sacrifice. And when you shed your blood, you covered everything that I could ever need, and you supplied it. So I ask you to be my Lord. I want to be your disciple. King Jesus. Come on, let's say that again. King Jesus. King Jesus. (laughs) King Jesus, come on. (sighs) I mean, felt that when you said that, King Jesus. Like some words we say just feel different. King Jesus. <laughs> I just want to ask if you're here and you're like, I don't know what my portion, I don't know what my cup is, I don't know what my inheritance is, and I want it, whatever it is, I want it. I'm just going to ask you to come to the front. When you're down here, you're just going to talk to the Lord. You're just going to have a conversation with him. And he's your father, okay? And he's not angry with you. He's not far away. He's not disappointed. He's not like, how come it took you so long? He's none of those things. He is so excited today for you to come and ask him. He loves it when we ask him. He loves it. It doesn't bother him. Like when my kids ask me questions, sometimes it bothers me. But God never is bothered. And he wants you just to come climb up in his lap today and just ask him about your inheritance, about your portion, about your lot. And he's going to release things to you.
You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is receive it from him. It's a gift. So if that's you, if you want that, come to the front. If you want to sit, kneel, stand, whatever you want to do. And then at the end, if you need more prayer, altar workers will be here. And so I just bless you with gifts. Come on. Come on. If that's you, come on up.